1: You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience.
0: We'll come. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation podcast coming at you here for the reaction to week two Bears versus Giants. Myself, Jake Hassan, as always, joined by Kevin Lapka and Chris Nano to break down the Bears win over the Giants. Your Chicago Bears are 2-0 after beating the New York Giants 17-13 to this afternoon. We are recording this on Sunday following the game. And there's a lot to break down, a lot to talk about that we are going to get into, break it down for you guys. And you know what? My initial statement is going to be this. 2-0 and is 2-0, and and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are looking better than you did the previous two years, um, objectively, as from a record standpoint. So that's always good. Um, as we talked about in previous weeks, these are winnable games that you should be winning. So that's good that the Bears can pull that off. Um, let's get right into it. The quarterback quarterback. Uh, performance. Mitch Trubisky, 18 for 28, 190 yards, two touchdowns to two interceptions. He also added 16 yards on the ground. Um I thought it was better. I thought he was good, not great. Um obviously it would have been too much to expect uh, a you know photocopy performance of the fourth quarter performance that he put up against the Lions, but still good, I'll take it. Uh I was a little disappointed with the finish, but I still saw the progress that I wanted to see. There were a couple of big boy throws that, um, you know, screamed to me, progress screamed to me development, which was good. Um, The interceptions, I saw the one only I I listened to the third quarter and uh, most of the fourth quarter on the radio. So I didn't see the second interception, the first one, you know, what can you do? It gets batted up in the air, kind of a fluky interception, not really Mitch's fault. Um, He, forced throw a little bit but I still think a throw that, you know, you can't really rip apart. Um but what do you guys have on the second interception cuz like I said I didn't see it with my own eyes in real time.
2: So the second interception was just an unbelievable play from James Bradbury cornerback for the Giants. it was a kind of a jump ball to Allen Robinson and James Bradbury with his back turned um towards Mitch and his head towards Allen Robinson. Uh like the ball came into Allen Robinson's hands and you know, uh, Bradbury had one hand in there and just somehow wrangled it away from Allen Robinson. And it was just kind of, I mean, unbelievable play from Bradbury. But it seemed like that play was kind of a representation of Allen Robinson's day in general. Like He just didn't seem aggressive all day, like similar to that first interception. Like, I think I don't You know, a great play by the defense. Again, you you can't discredit that, but I think that's a play where Allen Robinson should at least, you know, be more aggressive and get in there and not allow that to be tipped in the air. And I'm not knocking him, but it was just kind of funny because my bold prediction, one of my bold predictions that we did in our uh, preview podcast was I I was like, Allen Robinson's going to have 150 yards. You know, he's going to make this statement. He's going to go to Ryan Pace's door after the game and say, pay me. And we just. We just saw a different Al Robinson today, and I wonder, I just wonder if maybe, you know, the week's events got to his head or something, and you could see him on the sideline. He had his hands on his head multiple times. Um, And, you know, just with that interception where, you know, that he should not have allowed that ball to be intercepted, although it was an unbelievable play. Uh, it, It was just strange to me. So hopefully it's just, you know, the week's events got to him. He'll get the extension this week and he'll play better. Um, but you, you cannot put that interception on Mitch as a whole. Mitch played well today. I will say that he played well. I think there were more um, issues on the offense that went into kind of that disappointing second half performance. And we'll get into that. But you you cannot put what happened in the second half on Mitch. You cannot do it.
1: I'm just going to go ahead and, and get this out of the way. Um, Allen Robinson was garbage today. Um, and people are so, people say, you know, Mitch Trubisky has a bad game and all people do is trash him. That's all they do. But when it Mm -hmm. comes to guys like Alan Robinson, who's, you know, loved, um, throughout the fan base, there's always an excuse. He played like terrible. He played terrible. He played like garbage. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. And, and yeah, that was a great play by James Bradbury, but A-Rob could not let that happen. And. Uh, Actually, at first, when that uh, interception happened, I kind of did blame Mitch a little bit. Um, But I had someone on Twitter tell me that he had to underthrow that ball because there was a safety creeping up over the top, Um, and I did not see that safety when when I originally tweeted uh, about you know that being kind of Mitch's fault. But um, that first interception, um, I I can't blame Allen Robinson too much. I think he. He definitely could have, you know, used his body a little bit more, but, um, you know, I think Mitch did kind of force that one. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think Mitch was okay. Um, you know, I, I think you can maybe get by with with these types of performances, but I mean, I I definitely would like to see him play better.
0: I think that's fair. I think that when you have a tale of two halves like that, because he came out in the first half and you're thinking, oh perfect he's building off the Lions performance this is the Mitch Trubisky we wanted I mean the one throw uh the touchdown throw to Mooney and he stayed he thought about scrambling he stays in the pocket he moves the pocket evades the pressure and you know it was a little <laughs> it's a little shaky of a throw but he makes it for a touchdown to put you ahead uh and keep you ahead and you know you're thinking oh great I mean I said this in our text thread a year ago he runs for four yards and the drive stalls But instead, he stays there and he makes that throw and you score points, which is great because here you are. That's the development you want to see. And in the second half, I was just disappointed because you saw their aggression. I thought, you know, like Chris said, uh, the receiving could have helped him out a little bit better. But still, I I saw enough to be encouraged going forward against the Falcons uh, next week. But I I still think there were some things that need to be cleaned up. But overall, the offense I'm happy with. For the most part, I'm frustrated, but I'm happy if those two things can coexist. But in my brain, that's how I'm feeling. I think Nagy was good with the play calling for the most part. Um, and, and I want to get to this, too. David Montgomery, over 100 yards total. Uh, he had 82 yards on the ground, 45 receiving. Looks healthy. Looks great. Looks very good. Looks like the rushing game that we were promised. And I think, you know, like we said after the Lions game, that gives the quarterback more time to work and more options to work with. So I think that will continue to expand this offense and let them do what they want to do. But I am I'm, I'm happy, but frustrated. I will end with that and let you guys give your overall thoughts on the offense.
2: Well, I'm sure everybody's happy, but frustrated. I mean, after the first court, after the first half, we were thinking this game is going to be a blowout. We'll put up 30 points. This is going to be great. And honestly, like, Matt Nagy's play calling in the first half was awesome. I mean, uh, the announcers we're talking about, we're, ta- we're seeing motions. We're seeing guys go all over the field and guys are getting open. You're giving your guys the ball in space. And it was like everyone's saying, oh, this is 2018. This is 2018 Bears. We love to see it. It stopped in the second half. It completely stopped. No motion, no creativity. Let's give the ball to Dave Montgomery. And the offense, the offensive line wasn't great in the third quarter. Um, and I think they got a little bit complacent. I think that's all you got to say is they got a little bit complacent. They knew they were playing a bad football team. They had a big lead, and this is, you know, th- that's kind of the tale of Matt Nagy's career as a coach. I mean, he he did that in Kansas City. He's done that in Chicago. They get a big lead, and they don't they don't add on to it. And that is what good teams do. Good teams turn that game into 30-10, to 30-3, and I, I think the Bears are a good team, but Matt and Nagy needs to—he needs to be more aggressive, and he needs to continue to say, okay, although we're up by this much, you know, we're still gonna be creative, we're still gonna go take deep shots down the field, and we're not even gonna make this a game. There's no reason it should have been 17-13 there in the last 10 seconds of the game, coming down to a final play in the red zone. No way it should have been there. And a, a little bit back to what Chris was saying about how you know we make all these. Uh, we bash Mitch all the time, and then when he plays well, it's uh, But, like, you know, Anthony Miller in the end zone, drop. Anthony Miller, another drop on the sideline. I mean, like, at some point, we, we have to say that the receivers, I mean, I know Chris came out and said, he said Alan Robinson pit like garbage. Anthony Miller falls under that category. Adana Mooney was fine, but the support was not there for Mitch today throughout the whole game, and that's all I'll say. The support was not there for him, and that is undisputed. Yeah,
1: and, you know, it's funny that you bring up the, the complacency thing with Nagy, because I, I was watching that game, um, and, like, especially in the second half, and I was just thinking, like how, like, how does this always happen? We get a big lead, and the game still comes down to the wire. Like, it's just, it, it, it's, you can't get conservative like that all the damn time. Like, it, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass sooner or later. Um And, you know, like you said, Kevin, it literally came down to the last play of the game, so... I mean, it, I think that really says it all. I, I really did like what I saw from David Montgomery, though. Um oh, I, yeah. I think the offensive line looked really good today. Um, and yeah, you know, at least uh, you know that that's that's something to to be encouraged about.
0: Yeah, the, to the receiving, uh, David Montgomery was the leading receiver with 45 yards today. The next closest was Darnell yeah. Mooney with 36, <laughs> yeah. Allen Robinson with 33, Jimmy Graham with 18. Uh, Javon Wims, Chris's guy, 17, Tariq Cohen, 15, Uh, Komet, 12 on one target, one catch, Mm -hmm. Patterson, eight, four, two. Um, So Anthony Miller, zero catches on three targets. That's not really what you want to see. But Um, yeah, I mean, the whole offense needs to be better. The receivers need to be better. Um, And and I think that will come because Mitchell is making good throws. And for as much as we talk about the Giants being a bad team, their secondary is fairly talented and it's fairly good um as for the rest of their defense it's just fine as we saw but um yeah i, I mean a win's a win you're 2-0 and at the end of the day so you're happy with that um i think you saw enough to be encouraged just like last week where you think okay we're going into atlanta next week high powered offense and i think you feel decent about being able to keep pace with them right
2: oh my god are you kidding me atlanta today let out 500 plus yards they i mean this we're talking about a defeated Atlanta Falcons team we're facing next week they had uh, a 39 to 30 lead with 2 minutes and 30 seconds left in the game and they found a way to lose that game they are defeated this is a great opportunity like you mentioned last week about the Bears being able to build off of uh, a victory and they have that opportunity but you know the whole team has to play well like you can see what happened when just one aspect of the team doesn't play well it it almost leads to a loss against a bad team so there's not a lot of margin for error for this team I think is like you can't have games like that you can't have zero yards from Anthony Miller I mean Chris's bold prediction before the game was Anthony Miller's gonna have 168 yards for him to put up a zero is it's unacceptable and it's inexcusable and I think there's honestly a fair argument for Darnell Mooney Working his way at, to be wide receiver two, and I don't, and I'm not. That's that's not bashing Anthony Miller. It's not, but I think the way he fits in this offense, I could see Donna Mooney being the wide receiver two. But just you know, going off that point, like th- this cannot happen. You don't have the margin of error to afford these types of performances from your offensive skill players, especially when you know, it's at st- you know what this offense is and you know that you have to have your playmakers be effective. And luckily, Dave Montgomery was the clutch guy because he had 120-plus yards. Uh, he, I would say, carried the offense pretty much. He had touchdown on the day. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't have that, then... You know, where is this offense? So these guys got to show up, man. They got to show up consistently. Uh, Consistency is kind of the key word for the Bears this year. Anthony Miller falls under that category. He simply hasn't been uh, as consistent throughout his career. So hopefully he picks it up as well. Um, But absolutely opportunity to build uh, off of a win this week against a a pretty defeated Falcons team. Look, um, Anthony
1: Miller is probably my favorite player on the Bears. Um, just his energy, everything about Anthony Miller. Just it, I, I love it. If he a, a, and we all know Anthony Miller is talented, I, I think all three of us would agree on that. But if he keeps doing stuff like this, like we, we see this every year from Anthony Miller, you know, he'll have a couple mm-hmm. of good games. he'll so he'll just go absolutely berserk. And then you see stuff like this, you know, a couple games later or even the next game in this case. And it's like, what the hell? And, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. like you said, Kevin, I mean, now with Darnell Mooney kind of emerging, if this doesn't light a fire under Anthony Miller's ass, then I don't know what will. And, and you know, it's it's one of those things where he can have all the talent in the world. But if he's not producing, it literally does not mean shit. And excuse my language. But, you know, I, I'm just it's just kind of the same story with these players. Um, and, and, you know, it, I'm just sick of the the kind of standing um within the bears um <laughs> bears fan base is like you know everybody has a guy and they're going to ride with them you know right or wrong and it's just pathetic it's pathetic i mean sometimes like i i really wonder if these people are just bears players fans or they're actually bears fans <laughs>
0: <laughs> Uh, I want to touch on Mooney for a second because he was tied for second in targets with three, which I mean, isn't saying much. Uh, He was tied with Miller who we mentioned earlier just now. And he was tied with Montgomery Uh, to Kevin's point about him becoming, you know, maybe wide receiver two, It certainly seems like Mitch trusts him. It certainly Mm -hmm. shows that the coaching staff trusts him to, you know, put him in uh, these situations where he can catch touchdowns and he's catching passes. So, you know, we I think we lowballed him on the yards expectation in our a couple our preseason episode because he has been involved in these first two weeks. He has made an impact in these first two weeks. So I'm really looking forward to Darnell Mooney and seeing more of him. And you know, as this offense maybe starts to find its groove uh, in the next couple weeks, over the next few games, I am very excited to see what
2: he can possibly turn into. I want to touch on that trust point because when you see a play like that where Metro Be's scrambling, he's kind of flustered in the pocket there, he's getting rushed at. and he, you know he on that on that touchdown pass, he simply he simply said, okay, darna Mooney. I'm just going to see if you're the better player there in the end zone. And he throws it up Donna Mooney beats his receiver and catches it. Like, that is the ultimate sign of trust. That play right there, Mitch to Mooney for the touchdown, ultimate sign of trust. So you absolutely love to see that. And, you know, I, I said this last week. He He looks polished. He looks polished. He does not look like a rookie fifth-rounder at all. He hasn't, I mean, other than that fumble, he kind of made that fumble. He ended up recovering it. He hasn't made a lot of other big-time rookie mistakes. And I don't think we, again, like, you know, people, it's not – a negative thing if he becomes the wide receiver too right because people are gonna people are gonna say well Anthony Miller you know what's like if you have a guy like Darna Mooney here emerging like so be it and and, and I think he. He fits well on this offense. Give him the ball. He's going to do something in space. They, he has trust with the quarterback. I mean, y- you could not be happier with the value you are getting out of Darna Mooney right now, considering he was a fifth-rounder. I mean, I don't, we didn't lowball him. We did not low ball him. I mean, that's what you—the the, the yards that we put in there was what you expect of a rookie fifth-rounder. So to see the productivity he's having right now is just—it's a credit to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for drafting him. And it's a credit to him for, you know, coming out and being ready as a rookie. It, it's unbelievable. And again, the excitement grows for a guy like him, a guy who's just capable of making plays at any given moment. And going forward, I mean, he is going to be an important piece on our offense. So let's hope the consistency continues and he continues to be a prominent target. Yeah, um,
1: 100 percent. You know, he's um, it's funny because I was fully expecting him to be kind of redshirted. Like Matt Nagy's done with pretty much all of our younger wide receivers or rookie wide receivers, I should say. Uh, But, you know, this guy's coming in and producing right away, which is super impressive. Um, And yeah, you know, like you said, Kevin, he looks very polished and that's pretty rare. um, Two games, you know, into your rookie year and you're a fifth rounder. So, um, you know, things are things are bright. Things are bright with Darnell Mooney. Um, But to the point of the whole Anthony Miller WR2 thing, this kind of goes back to my thing about, um, you know, just having a bunch of good running backs. Um, like it it doesn't have to be one or the other, you know, both of the, if both of these guys are producing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the best case scenario. I I really don't care who the WR2 is as long as people are producing.
0: Yeah, it comes down to production, obviously. And uh, I want to go back to the point of, you know, you had the production from David Montgomery, which kind of bailed you out and led you to this win. Um, but that's what, like you said, that's what good teams do. Good teams Mm -hmm. win ugly games. So this is definitely a step in the right direction. When your pass game isn't producing, you can lean on the run game a little bit. And in this case, a lot of it to, you know, chew the clock, get the production. And then, you know, you throw a couple short touchdown passes. Um, Should have been a bigger win though, a larger margin of victory because the Bears kicking issues continue to haunt (laughs) them. Um, Cairo Santos, granted, this was a 50 yarder but the kids got a leg and we've seen it before, but you miss a field goal like that and put the team in a position where the Giants could have scored and they got damn close and taking the lead and really winning the game. um, Instead of just being a tie and going to overtime. And the thing is the kick wasn't really close. You saw, you knew it was missing unless it had some wicked fade and I am very nervous, still very nervous about this team and the inevitable time that it comes down to a last minute kick. And we're going to be sweating bullets because can Cairo Santos make a kick? Is Eddie Pinheiro going to be healthy? Will he be healthy at all this season? So I hate this, that we're in year three of this now. Well, really year two, I guess, but it should have been year zero, first of all. And it, it, I just feel like we're in the twilight zone here. We just keep coming back to the same issues.
2: I literally heard people on Twitter today say they were comfortable before he missed the 50-yarder. After he made his first field goal, say, you know what? When Kyra Santos jogs out there, I feel comfortable. I don't know what the hell those fans are talking about because I, I, I am nowhere near confident with Kyra Santos. And people are saying they they feel more confident with Kyra Santos than Eddie Pinero. Get out of here with that, man. I don't want to hear that at all. Eddie Pinheiro is the better kicker. Kyra Santos can make 30 yards all he wants and make 40 yards all he wants. But when it comes to those long distances, my confidence is near zero for a guy like him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is concerning because had the, had the Giants won that game on a touchdown— the major storyline maybe probably should have been that, oh, you know, we missed that field goal. I feel like not a lot of people talked about that because of the way the Bears played in the second half. But at the end of the day, had they lost that game, yeah, you can blame it on that. You can blame it on uh, at least not sending that game to overtime with that field goal. So it is concerning because we haven't really seen an update about Eddie Pinheiro and where he's at with his injury. And I have no confidence in Caro Santos. I'll say it. I don't care if he's made 30 yarders and 40 yarders and extra points. I have no confidence in him down the stretch to be a reliable kicker when the game Games on the line. No confidence at all. Eddie Pinero needs to get back here immediately. God, I feel like we're being negative on this podcast. So we'll get to the we'll get to the positives after that. But as far as the kicking situation, no confidence in Santos. I need I need EDP Eddie De Eddie dinero back as soon as he can be. Um,
1: I, I yeah, Cairo Santos is just. I mean, it, it's Cairo Santos. Like I, I don't really know what people really expected. Um, but. When if Eddie Pinheiro comes back and is struggling, I swear to God, I, I know I'm gonna sound ridiculous, but I'm like, I would do anything to get Justin Tucker on the Bears. Like I, I'm not kidding. I would trade a fourth round pick <laughs> for Justin Tucker. You guys think? You guys? Oh, are, are you like, kidding me? No, no I would too. Watching. But that's not gonna happen. There's no way. No, I mean, yeah. I Look, I, trading for a kicker like. Justin Tucker. I mean, you don't really see that too often, but I, I'm just, you know, I'm going down the list of every team that has a decent kicker, maybe like the top ten kickers, and and I'm just seeing what every team wants for their kicker, because because you you can't you can't do this. You, you can't just like one area of your team is is literally like shot. Like like kicking field goals for the Bears, it just never ends well. And if if Eddie P isn't the guy to figure it out, I mean, wh- what do you like, if you don't trade for a kicker like I'm suggesting, what the hell do you do? Like, what? You just keep keep doing this until, you know, the, the guy, you know, kicks himself out of a job?
0: I have an answer to this question.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, please, I need answers.
0: Bring him home. Chase McLaughlin is on the open market. Oh, Bring oh God. the God. Illinois alum home. Rec specs need it. <laughs> need it.
2: That, no, that's terrible.
0: Just bring I mean, Hey, Trump honestly,
2: Trump. you know what? Honestly, I'll take it. I don't fucking... Look at the numbers, I, bro. Oh God. <laughs> Look at the numbers. I, don't, I mean, don't care. Like, at this point, I mean, what... Chris, Chris is right. Well, here's the thing, too. People make this a Bears issue. This is not a Bears issue. I would say over half of the teams in the NFL have this exact issue, where year after year, they're struggling to find a kicker. I mean, it is not just the Bears. Sure, the Bears have had the worst luck because of what happened in the playoffs and what happened maybe last year, but... This is, you know, year after year, a situation where many teams, I feel like more often than ever before have to deal with, like, you know, the Browns just signed Cody Parkey and all these guys are signing these kickers and kickers are missing kicks at the highest rate in NFL history. So honestly, like, I I don't see an end in sight to this. I don't, because unless you're finding a a kicker who's going to be there for multiple years, I mean, that doesn't happen often. Like I said, there's only a handful of teams who have had their kicker on their current roster for over three to five years. And it's just you know you bring in one guy he has a good year he starts to you know do bad you bring in another guy and I think I honestly think that's just the way it's gonna be for a little bit until you really find a guy who is reliable enough but you don't know that until you have a full season of evidence so it's you know th- this might be something we'll have to deal with for a little bit unless Pinheiro comes back and is really is really the guy then th- this is something we're gonna we're gonna be seeing for many years I feel like yeah um.
1: I, I do agree that it is a, a league-wide issue. Um, but, like, I, I was thinking about it as you were talking. Like, how many of the quote-unquote good playoff-slash-contending teams have kicker issues? Like, I mean, let's go down the list That's like, fair. Of, of the good teams. I mean, the Niners don't. The Packers don't. <laughs> um, I mean, who else? The Cowboys don't. I mean, Jeez. Greg Zerline uh who else who else chiefs the, chiefs, the yes. chiefs. yeah um i mean like that's that's the problem like if we were in rebuild mode or you know we were a team that that i you know the fans knew would suck then you know it's whatever you just trial and error like you know you just keep going down the list until you can find a kicker but i don't think we have that luxury and that's kind of you know, th- this all falls under the umbrella of we're in a championship window and the team's getting older. That That's really all it is for me. That's how I'm viewing everything from here on out.
0: Mm-hmm. Are we moving towards an NFL that just kind of eliminates field goals for the most part and just has four, do- you know, four down offenses? Yes,
1: uh, absolutely
0: I mean, you
2: know,
1: we are. Yeah, I think so. I, I-, I tweeted out when he, when Sa- Santos missed the field goal, I was like, just get, kickers out of football like it's just I mean like it's not like can you can you imagine just think about the like think about how many times this has happened like you know a team is either you know or or let's just say a team is down by a lot they make a comeback you know this and that and then they lose because the kicker misses the last second field goal to put them ahead it's like like just all of the hard work that goes into a football game getting wasted by a kicker just just doesn't feel right it doesn't feel like you're getting the result that was deserved from that game and you know maybe it's just my view as a bears fan because we've dealt with it for so long but like i mean is that is what i just said wrong like like just honest answers
2: well well, I, I mean, it's even your point is uh, it's good, too, when it comes to extra points. Like, you know, we've seen teams, especially since they moved the extra point back, lose due to an extra point. And that, that's like, come on, like you score a touchdown and you end up losing a game because your kicker missed an extra point, which is like yeah, a I mean. bonus point after you. Like, come on. Like, I, I think the extra point should be moved back, so it should be moved to its original spot. Like, there's no reason a game should come down to that, and it it very rarely does. But I think just in general, like, you saw the Bears week one. Um, I think probably would have been, like, a 52-yarder for Santos. They said, no, we're going to go for it. I think it was, like, fourth and eight. Like, that was not an easy distance. And you see a lot of other teams being more aggressive in that way because, you know, if you just know your kicker's going to miss it, then what's – you know, why not go for it on fourth down if you're going to end up at the same spot if you don't get it? So – I think we're not we're never obviously gonna move to an NFL where there are no kickers, but we are you've already seen the evidence and you have the statistics that more teams are going for it on fourth down, more teams, not as much this year, but last year and the year before, were going for it. uh, uh two point conversions and the Bears have not been a team to do that. But you know, when when you have a situation like this, like when I it's almost like a lot of people are so traditional and when the Bears go for it on fourth down in those situations, they get very upset. And they say, you know, why don't you just take the points? Like, the game is changing, and you have to recognize that. So anytime the Bears do that, like, I'm never, I'm never very, unless it's a very particular situation, I'm never on the side that is, oh, take the points, kick the field goal, unless you have a Justin Tucker, unless you have uh, one of those proven guys. Like, for me, like, I would rather just see my offense go out there and try to make a play. So hopefully the Bears do more of that, honestly, and I would rather see that because we talk about them being aggressive. That's another way they can do that. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, like you said, we're kind of being negative. So let's talk about some of the positives. Um, we talked about Mitch already. I think that the offense in general, overall, umbrella was a positive. Um, the defense was good. I mean, it was the Giants, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they were missing Saquon Barkley, which it looks like he's probably going to miss the rest of the year with a torn ACL if the reports are to be believed. But. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones, I think, is turning into at least an above-average quarterback. Um, at the very least, a decent quarterback. So I like that the defense was able to keep him in check, keep the Giants' offense in check of uh, through the air. He he went 25 for 40, under 250 yards, one interception, and then should have been two interceptions. One got called back uh, on Eddie Jackson, should have been a pick six, but. I mean, the defense was really good. I thought that we saw what the tandem of Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack could be, which um, what they can be is excellent. And I would very much like to see more of them. Uh, You know, hopefully they stay healthy and they keep getting better as a team. But I thought the defense was really good, guys.
2: And what you saw today was turnovers. And the in his first play as Chicago Bear, Robert Quinn forces that fumble. They probably were studying all week. Look, Daniel Jones has fumbled 18 times last year. Like, get after him, get after the ball, and you're going to come out with it. And it was it was uh, Robert Quinn on, on the force and Kalumek on the recovery. So you love to see that tandem producing. Um, and then the interception. Deion Bush comes in in dime package. He makes a play on Everett Ingram. You love to see that. Um, you would have liked to see the Bears turn those turnovers into touchdowns. And that's, I think, something is really important. And you look at why the Bears were kind of in that situation late in the game. If they turn you know those turnovers in favorable field position into touchdowns, it's a totally different story. So they need to do that. But credit to the Bears' defense. They are pretty good all day. Uh, at the end of the day, only 13 points allowed. I know the New York Giants were depleted. But I, it's... You know Ben Ben don't break I mean you hate to see the Giants drive down the field like that and they're really bending bending but never going to break and that's kind of they they scare you man they get your heart beating but they always come up clutch Uh, Eddie Jackson had a really nice day today he had that pick six that got called back which was it was a PI call Uh, it was the correct call there but Eddie Jackson played well today Jalen Johnson did well today against J Darius Slayton Kyle Fuller today was an absolute blanket all over the field so you you love what you saw about the defense from today Um, and you know I have one negative thing to say about it but I want to hear what Chris has to say first
1: yeah, um, I, I think I know what you're going to say, and, and that's that was going to be my, what I was going to say. Um, so Jalen Johnson, um, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller, and even Tashawn Gibson, I think were really good. Uh, Deion Bush also had a pretty good game. Um, and then, you know, Matt Quinn, Hicks, uh, I think, you know, these guys made their presence felt like we thought they would. Um, but, you know, we, we went over the secondary and the D-line, now there's... A position that we got to talk about, and that's the linebacker position. Um, Danny Trevathan still looks very slow. Um, mm-hmm. He just looks a step behind. And it's worrying. It's worrying. I, I don't think the Bears' defense is the same defense you've seen the last two years without Danny Trevathan. Um, and I know last year he, he had gotten hurt, but, um, you know, before then, he. I mean, I feel like the the – defense was ticking man it, it was you know they, they were a well-oiled machine and and you know everything was going well but um you know i he's he's one of the leaders of his defense if he's not playing well uh, i mean it's it could could get bad it, it really could I, I think you know you just need good linebackers you really do um and hope I, i'm not ready to give up on him yet but you know things have to change fast man
0: Yeah, it kind of makes you think, you know, Nick Kwiatkowski, he's hurt in Oakland, but, you know, it makes you kind of go back to that um, because he was playing so well in this Bears defense. So that kind of makes you double back to that. But like Chris said, Danny Trevathan is a leader of this defense, of this team. So I think that there is some behind the scenes positives that, you know, doesn't really quantify on the field. But, I mean, at that point, you just kind of got to cover him up as best you can. And, and to kind of offset that is, you know, you have Mac and Quinn and Roquan Smith gets better every day. I feel like um, every week, so he's turning into someone who, you know, maybe young Danny Trevathan even would be a, uh, uh, what you call it, a, uh, a Jesus, why am I blanking on the word? But <laughs> an appropriate, an appropriate comp. Thank mm-hmm. you. There we go. Um, so. I think you can hide him a little bit, but yeah, I, I mean, he's getting older, and you knew this would happen at the end of this contract. But I still think that the non-quantifiables, he's he's a net positive.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. Um, you know that's why they brought him back. You know you, you knew you knew that Nekotelski was a younger player, higher ceiling, a little bit more left in the tank. Like, you knew that, but you decided to bring back Danny Trevathan because he holds a special place on this defense. He's the leader of the defense from a mental standpoint. Um, and, you know, maybe, again, maybe I said this last week, it's just first few games, he's not yet in NFL, uh, midseason form, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that that's that's all very possible. Now, the other negative thing I want to talk about, um, this is just, like, I, I, this is one that's unexplainable to me. At the Late in the game... Um, the final drives in the fourth quarter, both drives that the New York Giants got down there in Bear territory for consecutive plays a number of times, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn both together were not on the field. And this is not a knock on them. This is on Pagano. Consecutive plays. James Warders and Barkevius Mingo were lined up as the two outside linebackers. That cannot happen. There is no explanation for that. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if Mack and Quinn were tired, but I doubt that's the case. For consecutive plays, you cannot have the guys you're paying all this money for, and the two best players on your defense. Are you let me ask your best player? I won't say Robert Quinn's the second best player, but you can't have two huge impact players on defense off the field for consecutive plays. I don't know if you guys have an explanation for that. Makes no sense to me. But they were getting gashed, and Vardas was, you know, getting no pressure. Barkevius Mingle, although he had a sack today, was getting no pressure there. Like it, it's unexplainable that for two consecutive drives and multiple plays. Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn together were not on the field. Well, I mean, what's the explanation for that? Because it makes no sense to me, and it was hurting your defense. And it's still he he didn't recognize that he, he it was hurting their defense. He didn't recognize that. So I don't know if there's something behind that, but it's really weird, man. And we saw that last year too. But it's really weird, and I don't like it. Um, I I did notice that,
1: and the only thing I can chalk that up to is them being tired. Um, but then again, like even if that's the <sighs> case, like how like i i think that still points to to pagano's like rotations because like i mean how how could how could you allow mac and quinn to be that tired to the point where they can't be out there in the most crucial part of the game like it's Mm -hmm. just it's weird it's the whole thing was just very weird um so i mean if it's not them being tired i really don't know what it is maybe he saw something, but I mean, uh, it's a very bold strategy to leave those guys, you know, on the sidelines. So
2: I think you did see Robert Quinn was out a lot, and he really only came in on third down, and I would attribute that to potentially the injury. Um, and I know Khalil Mack also dealing with the knee, but you know, he was playing the rest of the game. I think it was more of an issue for Robert Quinn than it was Khalil Mack. But we saw, I'm telling you, we saw this last year, right? Late moments, late in the game, third downs, Khalil Mack's not on the field. And like, I'm, I would go as far to say like, there's no way Khalil Mack was tired. There's no way a guy like that with his motor, with his abilities was tired at that point of the game. Like, so it's weird. And I know, you know, Pagano does this, man. He loves his dime packages. He loves his nickel packages. He loves, you know, those guys out there uh, in the secondary, but It's just, man, it's just like you want to see your playmakers out there making plays late in the game on third downs and on big moments. And when they're not out there and and then your defense gets gashed, it's like, well, you know, what did you expect? So kind of concerning, and hopefully hopefully that changes, man, because I did not like that at all. I was getting very frustrated play after play late in the game when those two guys were not in the game. So, um, you know, you just don't see that from a lot of other teams. So hopefully that's something that, that improves, man.
0: Yeah, so with that talk of improvement, let's talk about next game against the Falcons in week three. Um, I think that you're going to continue to see a step forward from the offense. You need it because you're going against an offense that has Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley. So need the offense to show up. Going to need a better passing performance uh, or better receiving performance, I should say, I guess, uh, against the Falcons. Need the defense, need Pagano to be a little more stringent and more strict with the play calling, get your best players on the field at all mm-hmm. times because you're going to need it. And I, I think you feel good going into this game. You're two and zero, beatable Falcons team. As we just saw a team that I don't want to be mean, but seems mentally weak. So I mm-hmm. think this is a very beatable team. You come in hungry. You're feeling good. Uh, fourth quarter comeback. And then you hold on in week two to secure a win. Uh, your defense stands tall at the end. So, I think that you'll go into this game and obviously we'll do the preview episode later in the week and break it down a little further but I think you're feeling good. I think you're you're staring 3 and 0 right in the face.
2: Let's uh let's switch up the tone here, right? Cuz we've been negative all day and and we really shouldn't be. We really shouldn't be. The Bears are 2 and 0. Um that's a beautiful thing and let me tell you why. Lions 0 and 2. Vikings lost 28 to 11 today. Kirk Cousins with a passer rating of 15.9. Ick. Uh, they're 0-2. The Eagles, who were supposed to be a power host in the NFC, I never bought that. They're 0-2. And the Falcons, who you play next week, are 0-2. So the Bears are in a good position in comparison to a lot of other teams in the NFC who are supposed to be good teams. And then, like you said, mentally weak. Team uh, that just is absolutely defeated had a 99.9% chance of winning the game against the Cowboys today. They lose that. And we talk about momentum carrying over. Sure, the Bears don't have a ton of momentum after this win, but at the end of the day, they got to win. The Falcons didn't and in the fashion that the Falcons lost they're not going to be as determined and as hungry coming to Chicago because of the way they lost uh or I think we're going to Atlanta we're going to Atlanta pardon me um but it's just it's just man you know you have an opportunity now to start 3-0 and uh you'll take that any day of the week at the end of the day the Bears in 2-0 you got to be happy and now the opponent they play next week although they got talent on the board you know, talk about finding a way to football game, finding a way to win a football game. I don't I don't know if they know how to do that. The Bears clearly do know how to find a way to win a game no matter what happens throughout the course of the four quarters. So um, I I like where we're at. I like where we're at and I like what we're looking at next week against the Falcons. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Yeah, I think you guys kind of just hit it on the head. Like
1: this is a team that's broken They, they're, You know, they're they're going to be defeated if the Bears win this game. And I think the Bears got to put them out. Um, you know, no mercy. Just absolutely hammer the Falcons. Um, th- this is a team that's going to be all in their heads um, coming into this game. So uh, this is a good a good team to take advantage of. Um, but then again, we said that the last two weeks. So, you know, just got to see a better all around performance um, from quarter one to to you know, the end of the game.
0: Yeah, so all that being said, uh we will do a preview episode for the Falcons game later this week. But Bears win 17-13. Positive uh progression from the offense once again. Defense needs to clean it up a little bit, but still feeling good. You're 2 and 0. You're about to be staring 3 and 0 in the face. We'll be back later in the week as always. Thank you for listening. This has been Bears Nation Podcast and as always, bear down.
1: Bear down. Right on.